I don't like to talk about what happened 15 years ago. I don't even like to think about the fact that on January 7th, 2008, Sarah Collins, beloved member of the community left home to run an errand and was then never seen again. It was a huge case back then. Everyone seemed to want to know what happened to her, but no one was more desperate for answers than I was. Sarah and I had been married for five years. I knew as soon as I met her that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. She had one of those smiles that just lit up a room. That's why it was so hard to believe that such a beautiful, successful woman had seemingly disappeared. They hadn't even recovered her body. Fifteen years later and they still didn't have a shred of evidence. Not a tire track or even a fingerprint. Nothing. The police put out an appeal, but no one came forward. Somehow, not a single person had seen her. It was like she had just vanished without a trace. I think about Sarah a lot. I could never quite bring myself to take down the photos of her from around the house. Sarah's bright face still smiles down at me from every room. There's one photo of her from our wedding day that I really love. Looking at it is like looking straight at her. It captured her perfectly. Two days ago, I found myself staring at it, really getting lost in the details. Her eyes, the way the corners of her mouth were lifting into a smile, the small dimple on her left cheek. I was looking at it so intently that I almost didn't notice the phone ringing. It was the landline phone, which was odd, as no one ever called me on the landline anymore. It was all mobiles nowadays. When I looked at the caller ID, it was an unknown number. I shrugged and picked it up anyway. It was probably just the bank calling to confirm something. The call took a moment to connect, but when it did, I heard a strange rustling sound on the other end of the line. Hello? I wasn't in the mood for any prank callers. Is anyone there? Hello? Daniel? Daniel, thank goodness I finally reached you. The voice on the other end of the line was a woman's voice, shaking and breathless. Daniel, it's me. It's Sarah. Are you there? When I heard her name, it was like my heart had stopped beating for a moment. Sarah. My Sarah. But that was impossible. Sarah had gone missing 15 years ago. Whoever this was, it was not my wife. I don't know who you are, but you're not Sarah. I hissed into the phone, coldly. Stop calling this number. I had dealt with a lot of these calls, especially when Sarah first went missing. Con artists, fraudsters, anyone who wanted to manipulate a grieving husband. I knew none of them were my wife. No, no, Daniel, wait. Wait, you have to listen to me. It's me. Sarah. You have to believe me. She was sounding shrill and desperate now, even a little hysterical. The lengths that people go to in order to sell a lie is astonishing. Why are you doing this? I asked, angrily. It's been 15 years since my wife disappeared. What do you want from me? For a moment, the woman on the other end of the line didn't respond. I was beginning to think that the call had disconnected when she finally spoke. 
Daniel, please. It's me. It's your wife, Sarah, the woman begged. I'm telling the truth. It's me. She continued to plead, but I had enough. I wasn't going to listen to this liar anymore. Don't call this number again, I firmly told her, hanging up. I thought that would do it. She wouldn't be likely to call me again. I assumed it was all over. The next day, I had asked a friend to help me repair my plumbing system. He was a good friend, I'd known him since college. He had been there for me when Sarah disappeared, getting me through it. We were both taking a break, catching up on the important events in each other's lives, when my landline phone began to ring again. Sorry, I have to take this. It might be important, I said, getting up from my seat and making my way to the phone. I noticed that the call was coming from an unknown number, just as it had the day before. I didn't make a connection right away. After all, it could have just been the bank this time around. I picked up the phone, and I heard the same rustling sound. It was unsettling, in a strange way. I almost felt like I had heard it before. I just couldn't put my finger on it. Hello? I was already beginning to get a good idea of what this call was, and I wasn't happy about it. I told you not to call this number. Daniel? Daniel, thank goodness I finally reached you. The very same words that she had said the day before. Daniel, it's me. It's Sarah. Are you there? It was undoubtedly the same woman. I don't have the time for this, I hissed into the phone. I know you're not Sarah. Stop calling me. I hung up the call and walked back to my friend, who looked confused. Who was that? He asked me. I heard you saying Sarah's name. Is everything okay? It was some prank caller, trying to pretend to be Sarah, I told him, rolling my eyes. I thought that I had left it all behind. I even changed my phone number. I don't know how this woman got hold of my new one. Pretending to be Sarah, my friend echoed. That's really strange. Did you tell anyone about it, like the police? No. I shake my head. There's no need. It's just someone trying to cause a bit of drama. They probably want money, or something like that. I made it clear that was the end of the conversation. I didn't want to continue talking about it, bringing up harmful reminders of the past. I woke up the next day, not expecting to get any more calls from the unknown number. I made it very clear that I wouldn't be participating in her charade. However, I was quickly proven wrong. As soon as I started to walk downstairs for a glass of water, the phone rang again. I thought about letting it ring, but I had a better idea. I was going to issue a much stronger warning to the caller, even threaten to get the police involved if the calls wouldn't stop. That would scare her, I was certain of it. I picked up the phone, hearing the very same eerie rustling. I couldn't explain it, but it made a shiver run up my spine. Finally, the call connected. It was just the same as the other times, the same pathetic monologue. Daniel? Daniel, thank goodness I finally reached you.
Maybe it was even a recorded message, Daniel. It's me. It's Sarah. Are you there? If you don't stop calling this number, I'll have no choice but to involve the police, I told the caller. This is harassment. If you want money, try conning someone else. Before I could even give the woman on the other line a chance to answer, I hung up the call. Hopefully this would show her that she wouldn't be manipulating me. I could see right through her elaborate scam. I was sure that my warning would stop the calls coming in. I was so sure of myself that when I was woken by a loud, persistent ringing sound the next morning, I didn't even think to connect it to the unknown number calls. I first assumed it was my alarm, waking me up, but when I turned to look, I saw that the alarm hadn't gone off yet. That was when I reached the conclusion that it was the landline phone. I rushed down the stairs, wanting to tell the caller that I would be taking police action, wanting to catch up the desperate scammer. Fortunately, I got down there in time and picked up the phone. Holding it to my ear, I heard that creepy rustling that I had become familiar with. It still made my heart beat faster, just for the few seconds until the call connected. Daniel? Daniel, thank goodness I finally reached you. The usual message of hysteria came through the phone. I was well used to hearing it by now. Daniel, it's me. It's Sarah. Are you there? I gave you a warning. I said that if you called again, I would be taking legal action. I spoke into the phone, loudly so that whoever was on the other side would be sure to hear me. You've gone too far now. I have to do something about this. I waited for the woman to respond. Daniel? No, no, it's me. I'm not lying to you. I would never lie to you. Daniel, it's me, Sarah. Your wife, it's me. I can't stand the high-pitched whine of her voice. You're not Sarah, I told her, bitterly. I know you're not Sarah. I will be taking action. Goodbye. I hung up the call for the final time and placed the phone back. I know that woman wasn't Sarah. I know for a fact she wasn't. I know it because on January 7th, 2008, Sarah Collins, beloved member of the community was killed. And I was the one who killed her. Sarah was an incredibly beautiful woman. I couldn't believe my luck when she first started showing interest in me. I didn't exactly have a lot of experience when talking to women and I was ecstatic that someone like Sarah had chosen someone like me. I loved her for every single second of our marriage. I loved her even when I found out that she was cheating on me. I had accidentally stumbled across a string of romantic messages between Sarah and one of her co-workers. She was planning to leave me for him. Sarah, my Sarah was planning to leave me for him. I couldn't have that. She was so beautiful, so bright, so full of life. I couldn't lose her. I just couldn't lose her. So I killed her. I didn't have to think about it for long. It was the only way that she would be mine, only mine forever. If she was dead, she would never leave me. She would always be my Sarah. When the police arrived, I made up an elaborate lie that she had gone out to run an errand and never come home.
that very same lie ended up on headlines of the national news. I didn't know if I would even get away with it, but a year passed, and then another year, and then another. Fifteen years passed, and no one ever saw through me. I was about to walk back upstairs, when I heard a small tapping at the window. Click. Click. That was the sound of the window opening, and that's when I heard it. Rustling, right here in my own house. Rustling that paralyzed me with fear and sent my mind into a state of panic. Then I heard her. Daniel? Daniel, thank goodness I finally reached you. The voice was coming from inside the house now. Daniel, it's me. It's Sarah. Are you there? I could hear her clearly, now. Daniel? Daniel, thank goodness I finally reached you. The voice was definitely coming from inside my house. Daniel, it's me. It's Sarah. Are you there? Panic rose in my chest. I don't believe in the supernatural, but all signs were pointing to something horrifying occurring, something beyond a scam caller, desperate for money. My mind was a mess, debating whether to stay, out of morbid curiosity, or run as fast as I could out of the door and never look back. The rustling was so loud now, drowning out any chance of logical thoughts. Daniel? Daniel, thank goodness I finally reached you. The shrill voice cut through my panic. Daniel, it's me. It's Sarah. Are you there? It sounded even closer to me now, like the source of the voice could only be a few meters away. Hello? I call out, hearing the slow, small footsteps. Hello? Is anyone there? I stay rooted to the spot, my legs paralyzed in fear. I still didn't know what was happening here, and I wasn't about about to risk my life. Suddenly, it was as if someone had flicked a switch. The loud, eerie rustling came to a stop, almost being sucked out of the room like a vacuum. I noticed that the footsteps had stopped too, and after a few moments of terrified silence, the voice also seemed to have gone. I started to walk downstairs, my hands still shaking. What was that? What just happened to me? Could there be a chance that after all these years, I was going crazy? I rushed downstairs to the phone, yanking the wires out and disconnecting it. I couldn't let a scam caller get inside my head. I didn't leave the house at all that day. The fear still made my head spin and my heart pound in my chest. There was no logical explanation for what had happened. I didn't know what to think. When I woke up the next day, it was like something had changed. Something was different, and it wasn't in my mind. It was almost like, overnight, everything had shifted. I wasn't an avid reader, but I had a small bookshelf in my bedroom with about five or so books on it. For some reason, it was looking a little empty. Was that just my imagination? I got out of bed and walked downstairs. I needed to get a glass of water. Clearly, my mind was going into overdrive. I was starting to become paranoid. I opened my drawer to get a butter knife for my slice of toast when something caught my eye. An empty space in my knife rack. 
Every other knife was in a slot, apart from one. I could feel a lump in my throat. Knives don't just go missing. I pulled my mobile phone out of my pocket, not even daring to touch the landline and called my friend, Adam. I really was going crazy. Some sort of delayed guilt response, I guess. Whatever it was, I was afraid. Adam, I hissed into my phone. I don't know what's happening to me, but I need you to come over. I think I'm going mad. Adam promised to be on his way, and I didn't have to wait long for him to be at my door. When I let him in, he seemed concerned. What happened? He asked me. Your call really freaked me out. You sounded scared. I think I'm going crazy. I explained as we sat down. I'm seeing things, imagining things. I think it's something to do with Sarah. Losing your wife is tough, Adam agreed. Right. He doesn't know what really happened to Sarah. I know how that feels. Ten years ago, Adam's wife, Laura, had suffered a fate similar to Sarah. She had gone out to work one day and had never returned. It was tough on me as Laura, being her best friend, was the closest thing I had to my Sarah. It was 15 years ago, I said, wide-eyed. How is it only hitting me now? About a year after Laura went missing, I really broke down, Adam told me. I started getting really paranoid and suspicious. It took a few years of therapy for me to fully accept everything. I nodded, pretending to understand. Therapy won't help me. It seems like nothing will help me. I pretended to listen to the rest of Adam's advice until he had to leave. I told him that I would try out some of his coping methods, but in reality, I had no intention of doing so. That night, I found myself tossing and turning, obsessing over everything that had happened, the phone calls, the disappearances. I couldn't sleep. Begrudgingly, I got out of bed and walked over to my medication cabinet in search of some sleeping pills. I didn't use them often, just when I couldn't sleep. I felt around in the cabinet for the pills, but they were nowhere. I flicked on the light and looked again. They were missing. This wasn't my mind playing tricks on me, this was happening. I raced down to my basement. I don't step foot in the basement often, it just reminds me of everything. It reminds me of them, because that's where they are. The victims. That's right, I said victims. Multiple. It started with only Sarah, but I couldn't live with myself knowing that her lover was still out there. The man who attempted my Sarah away. He had to go. I lured him to my house with a great plan. Once he was there, I got him a drink and we talked. A drink laced with sleeping pills. He was dead within the hour. The next one was Laura, Adam's wife. She didn't just go missing, she was killed. And I did it. I had a good reason. She found me out, she found out what I did to Sarah. She had rushed over to my house to confront me. In a panic, I killed her. I killed her with a book from my bedroom. One sharp blow to the head and she was dead.
and the knife was Sarah. I didn't want her to be afraid, I couldn't have that. She was my Sarah, and I loved her. I didn't want to frighten her. So I stabbed her in the back, like she stabbed me in the back by cheating. I stabbed her with that knife from my knife rack. She fell to the floor like a sleeping angel, and died. And the knife, the knife was in my hands. But I didn't put it there. My vision was clouded, but I could see that I was standing in my basement. How did I get here? I don't remember the past few minutes, but my hands closed around the bottle of sleeping pills. The sleeping pills? I try to bring it up to my face, my entire body swaying. My sight keeps going and reappearing, and all I can feel is the blood rushing around my body. I feel a small, heavy object. I'm holding the book now. But that's impossible. I drop the book to the floor, my legs suddenly buckling from under me. I fall to the ground, just like each of my victims, my eyes closing slowly. I can't feel a thing anymore. I imagine this is what happened to them. I imagine that this is what they felt, too. Just before my eyelids close, I almost think I can see something in front of me. A face, a face I know so well. Sarah. My Sarah. 